This is Swampside Chats. A podcast where every week, communists sit down to shoot the shit about current events, history, political economy, and theory. This week, in the latest installment of our In the Enemy Camp series, we sit down to discuss Fascism Viewed from the Right by Julius Evola. I'm Jake. I'm with Communist League Tampa. And joining me tonight is Lexi. Hey, this is Lexi of Emancipation. Our point of reference, our symbol, if you prefer our myth. Rosa? Rosa here, edging but never coming to preserve my power, whatever magic gay shit. Um, (laughs) From Emancipation, woo. And Donald. Hey, it's Donald from the Communist League of Tampa, just another man amongst the ruins fighting against the corrosive modernity that surrounds us all. So, after a bit of a hiatus uh, following the new year, we're back. We're back. And we're back in the enemy. Back in action. Back in the enemy camp. We're talking about. We're in the enemy camp this time because we have had uh, people recommend that we read Julius Evola. And so we read. Julius Evola, and it was difficult. I always thought of it as pronounced Evola. Doesn't that sound better? Uh, I, I, that I, feels I right. Was... All right, Julius Evola, Jeeves Evola, whatever. Not, that's besides the point. The point is, like, we all kind of were complaining. Well, not all of us, at least, but I know um, Lexi and Jake were commenting on how hard this was to read just because it's, like, so different from what they were used to. Yeah, it's like something from Mars. Like, it's just completely... It's just like a completely strange way of thinking. And it's weird, too, because he starts out and he basically says that, like, he's not going to prove his point and that only, like, force can prove his point. So it's like, what's the point of writing any of this? (laughs) Well, we believe that. Well, well, what's this? I didn't think it was hard to. I didn't really think it was hard to read as much as it is, like, I have trouble not reading this in the mirror universe as, like, a kind of, like, A horseshoe way of understanding the left because in the same way i was reading sorel as a sort of like you know sort of leftist who's getting into myth this guy's like look that's some that's some like really basic myth what we need is some eldritch old shit to really tear down these um bourgeois values and, well like uh yeah it, it, fuck, what was I gonna say? it reminds me of like and honestly, you're also remind me of like hippie woo stuff, but like with a fashion, <laughs> like political edge in a lot of ways, because it's like, oh, materialism is bad and stuff. So I don't know, like maybe we should just talk about like who Evola was, Evola was first, like because he actually has kind of an interesting origin. Yeah, well, like, his, background, his out, background is like aristocratic, isn't it? He becomes part of the Dadaist movement, which is like completely opposed to what he later represents. Which is strange because Dadaism was kind of left wing, but still kind of nihilistic. It was kind of just like an, uh, a really like raw artistic movement about each other, like 
insanity and like you know inhumanity of modern capitalism in world war one and it was a kind of like intense reaction to all that stuff so evola starts out in these kind of transgressive art circles and but he gets in like a lot of these people in these transgressive art circles became marxist like for example the surrealist was like basically full of marxist but evola goes in the opposite direction and he starts speaking he becomes what's called a traditionalist and studies the work of a guy Rene guenon guenon i don't know how to say his name but anyway or whatever is a weird old mystic type and has this traditionalist philosophy and evola gets into it but he also gets into the fascist movements of his time well, you know, I can actually kind of see how somebody could go that way coming out of Dada because that was really the beginning of, like, I don't know, probably a period that climaxed with the Situationists where it's basically art lamenting uh, the subsumption of art to the modern materials of commodity society. You know what I mean? And so... You know, you can yeah. see some people who would want to push be, you know, push beyond. Like it, it basically. I feel like the avant-garde basically ended with situationism, the sort of realization that the solution to this problem isn't going to come from some sort of aesthetic revolt, but the, re the changing of society in like a yeah. fundamental materialist way. And but I can also see like somebody using that and looking backwards and going like, we need to bring things back to when they a more you know sort of bucolic society stable society yeah, that's, that's basically evola's goal is like he he hates capitalism and he hates the economic in general he hates he sees the economic as like something that parasitically like destroys traditional organic natural societies well he's and, right but i think i mean yeah he's yeah. weird because he takes one side of marx's critique of capitalism which is that capitalism destroys antiquated you know, and um, fucked up like old pre-capitalist forms. So, you know, but the thing is, Evola likes these kind of paternalistic, patriarchal caste relationships that are pre-capitalist, and so he hates capitalism for wanting to abolish them. But he hates communism as well because it also wants to abolish, it wants to completely abolish class. And so Evola really sees communism and capitalism as two sides of the materialist coin that are basically like bringing about this this demon of modernity. Yeah, I think one thing, he, I mean, what he kind of ignores here in this analysis is the sort of the destabilizing effect of technological development. Because I really don't understand how you can have the kind of like stable, you know, quote unquote organic society that you had in so many like agricultural based societies with you know with like this kind of like you know rat, rapid like emergent different forms of technology because he's always talking about how like it's important that we have like these casts and you know that um, people not be ennobled not be that people's value doesn't come from simply being a person but it comes from like having a place like in this yeah, order it's but, very um but like if integralist if, is what they right. call it like everyone has like it ha everyone has a place in the system and that place is assigned to them by a greater spiritual, like metaphysical it's, system. It's a caste system. It's yeah, like, yeah. And like, Evola is really great chain of being. He really sees like the caste system as this thing where the collective can actually work together because everyone has their right place and everyone's in the right position, and so it forms an organic whole. And so, if you think about it, it's a really fucking stupid idea of what pre-capitalist societies were like. Because there's this idea that, like, in pre-capitalist society, everyone believes in all these traditions, and so they're, like, all stable, and 
you know, the monarchs and the lords and the clergy are all working together with the peasants and, you know, everything is working out just fine. And there's no dynamism or conflict. It's like a harmonious society. And then capitalism comes in and fucks it all up. Well, I mean, Donald, his entire worldview is just like weirdly just mythological. Let's just go with that. Like there's like the weird four ages. And basically at the beginning, like there were people with superpowers from what I remember reading. Oh, yeah. Like Evol was absolutely insane. (laughs) He's absolutely like just he's in a cult crank. He he got bit by a radioactive tiger. Yeah. Yeah. Like (laughs) Um, it's just like during the golden age of humanity, but we have that's the all... thing. The, a- the like, age Evola, of heroes. Evola argues specifically that like what we need is something that's not materialist and rational. You see, it's like this idea: just want to the ground everything and rationality and rationalize everything and make everything rational. That's like the destructive urge, and really, what society needs is like myth, and that's what gives true meaning to the world, and like. Well, you know, whereas like I'm not well, obviously and, like and I, I'm just trying to further explain like what his views are like. Well, I just want to be clear. Like I wasn't saying like his views of like pre-capitalist societies were correct. I just wanted to point out that yeah. even even on its own terms, like there's in a society where you know due to like you know technological dynamism, like people are going to have to change jobs, you know, numerous yeah. times. Like you can't have like this caste system where you know like each person is. In, yeah, like, I'm. I am. The, I am the tinkerer. And it's interesting because, like, Evola was sympathetic to the fascist regimes, but he still was critical of them. For example, he wrote articles for Mussolini's newspaper. He was a part of the SS at one point because he saw it as, like, kind of a warrior caste, but he got disillusioned with it. And the only actually existing fascist movement that Evola was um, inspired by and thought was truly traditionalist was Cornelius Codrianu's Iron Guard in Romania. Which was basically just a bunch of bandits who were going around murdering Jews and, like, you know, basically like they were Orthodox Christians actually, or maybe they were I can't remember Catholics or, but yeah, it's the Iron Guard, big fascist movement in Romania, and they were really into like religious traditionalism. And Ivola said that they were the, the closest to what he believed was like a true movement. Wasn't he like strongly like, anti-Christian though? Like, why was yeah, he so? He was ex- yeah. in particular anti-Catholic. Yeah, uh, he was okay. anti. All right, he's anti-Christian in general, but like, he also thinks that like societies that have like at least some religion and like that maybe like every he basically thinks like every people and every race has their own spirituality. It's weird, but it's what yeah. He well, believes. What, what's his conception of race though? Even it's like it's just he doesn't even believe it's about biology. It's, he attacks I, the Nazis for having too biological of you. Yeah, race. and that I was kind of love yeah. that. It's kind of great. He's like, you you people are too, you people are trying to be too scientifical about this. I'm too right wing to be racist. Be, you <laughs> yeah, know, he's literally too right wing to be racist because that's too materialist. Like, it's too yeah. That's what he says. Racism is too materialist. Really, we need to look at people as spiritually. Well, so he has like a spiritual conception of race. That's the thing. Yeah, that's that's the real. Thing. And this was this was like. He, Mussolini got like his weird articles on race published when he was trying to put pressure on Hitler, like to oppose Hitler sort of in the er- before like the Axis became like a really thing, you know, whatever. And it's just, yeah, he, he has like 
he's still incredibly racist and anti-Semitic, mind you. It's just like it's spiritual yes. now. It's spirit science. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's spirit science. Science. Yeah. It, it really, it really um, resembles the kind of racism that you see when biological explanations are blocked. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like it's like the people be driving kind of racism, where it's like this group acts like this, and therefore. Or is it more like pre-modern where the, like there's different like kind of like tribes of people like attached I think to Ebola ways. thinks that like maybe he would say that it's it's not so much about race as it is about what caste you're born in and whether mm. you like rise up to become part of the warrior caste. Because Ebola's actual like political solution after like it's not really a political solution, but Ebola's like what he told people to do after World War II was basically that like of the Kali Yuga, which is like in Hindu spirituality, like, um, you know, the age of decadence, everything's like going to shit. So all you can really do is kind of try to become this Nietzschean ubermensch who rides a tiger and like kind of lives above it all. And so he kind of comes out of this weird, almost like Sternerite, like individualism. But um, in huh. the fascist movements, the way they applied this ideology to practice was basically clandestine terrorism and stuff like that. And so there were like MSI movement, uh, social Italian, like Italian social movement or something like they were a fascist group in Italy that was very influenced by Evola, and they were very into like kind of like propaganda of the deed style terrorism. Another thing to keep in mind here, because this article fascism viewed from the right is that he is he specifically he tries to keep his definition of fascism very narrow. And so he's talking about Mussolini's fascism specifically. And he actually yes, kind of critiques exactly. like the like the broader kind of leftist conception of fascism, uh, and a critique that yeah. was actually kind of very similar to ours, I think, in a way. Yeah. That... Wait, well, um, could you remind what well, what part was that? It's towards uh, the beginning. It's sort of like a you know collapsing things into fascism and anti-fascism. That's just fucking brain rot. Well, You're just yeah, like slamming a bunch of things more. together. Yeah, and that is like that is true that like the populist left in Italy probably had like a really like kind of like non-nuanced understanding of fascism it's like everything that's reactionary and bad is fascism right at the same time like things can like it's like fascism is reactionary and bad but so is religious fundamentalism so is traditionalism just because right. it's not fascism doesn't mean it's fucking not bad but the thing right. is like ebola himself like he's not telling people to try to build a fascist party or anything he's telling them to like become like, you know, almost like have your own personal insurrection and like ride the tiger of modernity. And dude, like, Divola actually like dabbled with psychedelic drugs in his older days. So like, well, it's interesting too. Shit. We it's gotta do, do, a, do a tool drop right here. Something from so, so what you're saying is Evola basically ended up what do, doing what Jordan Peterson does now, which is weird self-help bullshit. <laughs> yeah, kind of. He basically just became like a like a figure for far right youth to gravitate around. I really and he would give them like spiritual advice. Fascism just really wasn't my artist. He was worse than Peterson because he actually like his ideas like inspired people to kill people. And not yeah. saying Peterson's ideas won't inspire people to kill people ever, but like yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, like rape is really just a masculine expression of its true sexuality. I mean, yeah, yeah you, you just you just need to clean your room in order to battle battle your shadow self. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Ebola is... and Peterson are very different in that, like, 
Evola is just like straight up like, yeah, rape is good because it puts women in their place. And yeah, like racism is good because we need to divide humanity according to its like worth, according to our metaphysical system. Just don't be so scientific about it. But yeah, Evola is... He really is a new age crank though, and you can find his books in like the new age section of like bookstores and stuff. Like yeah, at um at uh one of the bookstores here locally, I was looking through like just everything I could and I found a copy of Against the Modern World by Evola. I did buy it, but like it's just like wow, I can just you know, this guy the thing is like his his legacy has kind of been sanitized. They say, Well, he was against fascism. And like, yeah, even though he collaborated with the fascists, he like eventually like distanced himself from them. But what yeah. they don't understand what? is that he's fucking critiquing fascism for not being like right wing enough. Uh, yeah, well, he he was well, he was primarily an esotericist. Like he studied Buddhism and all that and a lot of that shit. And I think wasn't that kind of like the bulk of his body of work? I mean, I'm not sure if it completely was, but it's I I think I don't really I mean, know. Because a lot of his work is probably untranslated. The works that like are known. And you know, America are his more like fascistic political works. Well, the esotericism is where he has like the most acclaim, actually. Um, like apparently, like esotericists and people who are if you actually read, yeah, but if you actually read his work, it's so obvious that the esotericism is linked in with like the fucked up politics. Oh, yeah, totally. But you know, people who are probably into esotericism aren't very intelligent, so. You know, I could see them. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm kind of into esotericism. Fuck you, read this shit, man. Some trippy shit right here. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not lying. Like, I used to be kind of like that. Like, I would like, I'm. I used to be the kind of person who probably would have read Evola just out of like curiosity and not even have like probably processed how fascist he was at first. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, the sort of weird, the sort of weird sp- uh, spiritual racism thing and the and the cyclical cyclical history sort of weird worldview is like straight out of uh, Madame Blansky. She was and like Spangler, yeah, and Spangler. But Madame Blensky is like, I'm, I'm probably butchering the the pronoun pronouncing Madame name. That's why I've always Blavatsky. heard it pronounced. Blavatsky. Yeah, yeah, but basically, she was a Rus- Russian mystic that went around Europe, and she was incredibly popular. And she's basically like, her work is basically like the core of like most most of the western esoteric tradition yeah like she's incredibly racist like the whole like idea of spiritual races is like stuff she also influenced hitler and And uh, rudolf steiner i honestly don't know how to explain evola's theory of race because i just feel like it's so irrational it's not even possible to explain and it's just like something you feel man (laughs) no he says it's it's just something you spiritually feel man he says shit. He says shit like that. Where it's like I don't have to prove my point because there are some things that are super rational. Well, to be so, honest, Bordigas do that too. They'll be like, no, we don't have to prove our point because it's the invariant program of Marxism. And if you disagree, you disagree with Marxism, and Marxism is correct no matter what. I thought. <laughs> I thought at one point I heard somebody say that Bordiga was he married to like a fascist or some shit like that. Um, that's what I heard. Yeah, that he had a fascist wife at one period. Hmm. Um, Wonder what that was like. like. Honestly, there were parts of this shit that reminded me of Vordigas. Because you know how Vordigas have like the whole idea of organic centralism? 
yeah, there's like a kind of shared Italian disease. Uh, yeah, with people I, that I, are like I, I, total total anti-modernists. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not like a uncritical fucking yay go modernity like. But I, 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 you know, like I do think there's. Um, this makes me want to be like fucking yeah, or modernity. <laughs> Look, destroy but, everything <laughs> before 1789. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of sympathies with that, but I don't know, getting old and seeing. I don't no, know. it's obviously important to be critical of capitalist modernity you, you, because you, it's capitalist, but not because it's yeah. modern. Like you know? when when you realize that you could become an old thing that would be destroyed by the market too. You start yeah. to realize, oh, you know, I'm not going to adopt this. Like, well, um, well if there's one, if there's one system that I associate with having a good that. old age, it's feudalism. You know, <laughs> that you ripe old age is a feudal peasant. I tell you well, what, but, buddy. In a way, though, the fascist project was this impossible attempt to restore the caste system, but with modern capitalist dynamism and technology. Which and is a complete contradiction. Work, and that's why these projects failed. But the attempt was to use corporatism to erase class antagonisms now what does he mean by corporatism here exactly because he he refers to like ancient corporatism and how it's better than like mussolini's corporatism but i'm not really familiar enough with ancient corporatism they were like guilds like ancient corporatism was like guilds and shit basically seems like a pretty vulgar comparison yeah he 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 basically criticizes he he takes from the dinesh d'souza school of criticism of fascism <laughs> and he just goes yeah yeah fascism was too socialist it was yeah. too socialist yeah um, you see national socialism he literally he actually pulls the whole it you see national socialism yeah he did Nazis. and that was fucking dumb but at the same yeah. time he is still kind of a third positionist because he's anti-capitalist but his idea is you know like you don't abolish private property you don't have like a militant trade worker movement, trade union movement for the workers. You don't have um, or industrial union, whatever. You don't have like class struggle. Class struggle is just like he sees the two classes of having like a symbiotic relationship that like uh... that like basically the capitalists need the workers, but the workers also need the capitalists, so we need to cooperate. And corporatism is a system payback cop like that cooperation by having like. For example, a, a, a boss's committee and like a trade union committee that would work together. So basically, it means that you let your bosses in your union and become friends with them. That's basically how it was tried to put into practice. And that's why like fascist regimes had such like insecure labor, labor stability because like there were like a lot of underground like, you know, labor groups and stuff that operated in fascism. Yeah, it's like he, he I think if I if I recall correctly at some point and they, all of his arguments are often so oblique and so framed in like the negative it's hard to talk get at what he really wants. Um but I just got the sense that like his solution to like the capital labor antagonism was like honor man and like the supreme authority of the boss. Yeah. As if like they well, don't and, have that on And he it's like the paternalism of the slave owner because yeah. like if you study slavery in the US South, a very specific ideology of paternalism developed where the, the patriarch slave owner was like, you know, basically had this, there was like this sense of honor that you also had to justify this paternalism. And so Ebola is like, I can see like how he wants to basically like make it so that part of society have to be slaves and have to be like, like watched over by elites. He also, um, another criticism he has of fascism is that it's not monarchist enough. Like, they were still technically yeah. a monarch in Italy, but he was basically cucked by Mussolini. 
<laughs> yeah. Cooked by Mussolini. Yeah, but and also actually, it was... Con- actually, that's not funny. Communists died because of Mussolini. Y'all are shit lords. What? This really? Guy. This is coming just, from you? I'm All right. joking. Um, one thing reading this... I'm joking. This critique, I'm, though, made me think, like... What, I tried to find some stuff on... Uh, I was curious what he thought of Japan. Because given what he describes here, it seems like, like Japan... Imperial Japan would be like his like ideal wet dream of like a society, you know. And he allu- he alludes to it briefly as having like interesting potentialities, but he never really goes into it in depth. It's weird because with I also with all these regimes he's interested, he sees them more so as like potentialities that could become like the true the real movement of to restore tradition. But like in Japan, you did have like a fiercely monarchical society. Like the emperor was viewed as a god. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. the entire economy was, like, subordinated to, like, the government. I mean, like, it, it seems like for him that, w- that would be, like, the perfect example of the kind of society the that, thing like... is, like, yeah, you can have a perfectly running capitalist society that's completely modern and have a constitutional monarchy. So maybe it's not so much just, like, it's not just, like, you need to have a monarch. It's, it's the monarch needs to have, like, sovereignty, full actual sovereignty and not just, like, a symbolic status. Yeah, hmm. you know, you, like well, I, I was referring to like specifically office. like like imperial Japan though, like when the monarch actually did kind of have full sovereignty, um, like because I mean obviously it's a complete figurehead now, but there was a period when there was you know like literal god emperor and yeah, and then there was you know battles you know waged like bourgeois revolutions and struggles waged to put constitutional limits on their power. That's true. That's develop true. democratic forms of governance, which yeah, of it's course never enough for these people, is it? is just an anti-democrat like he wants he doesn't want you know he he makes this kind of same argument against voting that i've heard left palms make that like oh you're just counting heads to determine if something's right when like the experts should decide that instead well he does make an interesting point that kind of does actually speak to the current um increasing like polarity in politics where he talks about how there has to be some kind in order for like a a Republican system or a parliamentary system to work, there has to be some kind of like agreed upon common thing around pe- which people can sort of come to a certain level of consensus in government and, you know, make decisions. Uh, whereas other, but what happens when there's like fragmentation is it becomes just kind of a naked contest for power. And it's sort of a, a zero sum game in terms of like forming a government, um, which you could, you could sort of kind of see that uh, in different periods. Because there's this weird thing now where, you know, like liberals kind of like look back to like previous eras when it's like we could have sensible government and the Republicans and the Democrats could like reach across the aisle to form a consensus or whatever. Whereas now everything is like, you know, sort of like a, it's winner take all government and the winner's yeah. pretty much always the Republicans. Now, now it's nihilism. But before, uh, before it was just rational bartering and decision making. Where, yeah, yeah there, there is something to this, uh, I don't know, without a sort of sense of a common goal, a collective to be loyal to, for which there's any any qualitative virtue in the world beyond, like, some kind of quantitative accumulated advantage. Like, yeah, I think, I think that's why these anti-modern critiques have some um, resonance even among communists. Well, it's because they make correct critiques of bourgeois democracy, but they're obviously they have shit like alternatives. Just yeah, like yeah. you know, organic centralism is not a real alternative to democratic centralism. Yeah. And but like at least like these reactionary anti-modernists say no, we just need to go back to like, you know, the caste system and have a king and 
have like you know this layered society i mean what what they have on us is that their alternatives have existed i suppose uh not like an absolute monarchy is actually a relatively modern idea very few people actually remember this sort of thing yeah but an absolute yeah, monarchy is something that was written with contradictions and were oh, more dynamic yeah. than, for example, like I feel like evil is almost taking the, the Weberian stance on pre-capitalist societies where there's almost, they're almost like these static, you know, type of societies that aren't like, they don't have any real dynamism because they're still pre-modern, but like, these, you know, these societies <laughs> are full of class contradiction and conflict and yeah. No, it, societies where a greater metaphysical order gave everyone meaning. Like that did not keep people from fighting each other, you know, and did not keep class antagonists from existing. Even like one that's always like kind of fetish like China is always ancient Chinese society is always fetishized as being so stable over time, but there were frequent where like where every so often there were these rebellions yeah. where like the yeah. dynasty would be completely overthrown and replaced by something else. And you know, I, I mean a lot of that is really just and again, I guess this is the, I'm just a victim of like rational thought or whatever. But a lot of this is just like taking the propaganda from like ancient times at face value and being like, Okay, well they said it was like that, so it must be like that. Yeah, I'm not saying that they're as idyllic as presented obviously because otherwise i'd be on the mirror universe swamp side chats where we're fascists and poke looking at communist theory disdainfully you know what i mean yeah but uh but you know i think that's why people accept a sort of fetishization of the pre-modern is because i mean it is like something that existed and it's i think kind of obvious that we can't go back something primos like to make fun of oh law we can't go back you're so naive but I think even if there was a big collapse, like you wouldn't just see the reassertion of these forms. You'd see something along the lines of what the Landian accelerationists, like in their worst nightmares, are are pushing. Yeah. You know, you'd see you'd see like the box is open. <laughs> like there's no putting this back in the box. Well, there's all this pollution all over the place. Like you can't have like a feudal society where there's like fucking radiation swamps all over. You know what I mean? Like it just wouldn't work. Yeah. But there's literally no way to do this, what he's talking about here. it's. Just, I mean, it can just fuel, like, it can just play into the hands of, like, certain sectors of the bourgeoisie and fuel, like, revanchism and maybe, you know, purge some of the surplus populations and, like, pointless ethnic conflicts and wars. Like, it's good for, it's good for you know, stoking that fire. But in yeah. terms of, like, any kind of actual, like, polit- achieving its own, like, vague, uh, mystified political objectives, it's just, it's nonsense. Like, it's it, it, yeah. it would never work. Well, the yeah. thing is, like, Evola would probably say, like, well, because he does, he believes in this whole, like, idea that, like, we've had a phase of history called, and this phase of history means that, like, we're basically doomed, and the West is, like, doomed to decline and decline until collapse, and basically we're all fucked. But that's so... Kali Yuga. That's and so, so he takes, like, a kind of... Like, literally everywhere else is the West now. You know what I mean? Like, there is no yeah, West. Yeah, exactly. The whole idea of West and East is just stupid Orientalism. But um, anyway, so, yeah, his idea is the West, quote-unquote, is, you know, in the period of Kali Yuga, which means decline. And so, really, what you need to do is just kind of become, like, an ubermensch. Like, it's a very Nietzschean thing. Yeah, Sterner, like, it's... Like, too. It's kind of like Sterner, where it's, like... We don't want to have like a, a collective like political organization. I just want to like have like I just want to fuck shit up and be an insurrectionist and you know that kind of like you know egoist anarchism you know. And so Evola is saying no. Don't try to like you know collectively organize to change things. 
just live as fast as you can possibly live. Be as bad as you want to be. Yeah, battle the shadow self by blowing up fucking the, your college campus or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a, a lot of this kind of thought is too just like trying to rationalize your misanthropy. Well, yeah. I mean, and, it's not, rationalize is the wrong word, but I know what you mean. Justify. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah, just yeah, sort of ennoble it in a way. It's, yes. Yeah, it's like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not some fucking pasty weirdo. I'm actually, I'm actually the return of the king. You know what yeah. I mean? Or it's like, well, he had an aristocratic background too, didn't he? Which is oh, why I'm sure, like, looking back to like feudal society, he'd be like, but, yeah. Uh, it's a weird thing about Evola is like you become an aristocrat by like in his case you just become an individual an individual aristocrat of the soul but you do that through like oh, isn't that precious? conquest and like proving that you're like the best you know shit around that, basically but that's that's like a very capitalist notion that almost sounds like oprah self-help shit yeah like all the uppies i know are kind of like this yeah yeah it is it is just new age self-help shit but for weird emotionally stunted racists yeah New age self-help for alt-right youth. <laughs> yeah, chicken soup for the pasty racist soul. And that's the like, thing, is like a lot of these alt-right people really like Evola. Even though if they truly followed Evola, they would probably just do a lot of drugs and like be what they call... They have the thing called... You know how there's the red pill and there's a thing called the black pill? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Evola is actually the black pill. Yeah, he's mm. definitely. If you actually truly follow, yeah, Evola's total because he doesn't think that you know. If you were truly like, oh, Vola would probably just laugh at Donald Trump and like because he has such disdain for mass politics and populism. Right, right. Really he'd probably like, anti-modernist. He'd probably like. Well, Macron. that's the strategic fascism. <laughs> because the of fascism is that it's too it's too based in mass politics, and it's because of that it's similar to Marxism. It's socialism. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, you no, know, you're. <laughs> which goes back to the point where he was making cringy like comparisons to socialism and fascism, but it's like there's a good boarding quote actually, where he says, um, "Fascism steals from the proletariat its greatest weapon, organization." Mm-hmm. And in a way, fascism does that. It uses proletarian forms of organization, like even labor syndicates, and um, workers' parties, and like armed street militias. And t- using those yeah. methods, but like organizing under a nationalist, like you know, revanchist platform. Right. Yeah, forms, organization, symbols, the fascists well, the themselves. Yeah, because before reaction was mostly just like aristocratic. Like it was mostly like, basically like aristocrats who still had peasants loyal to them. They would send like you know they would be the armies of reaction at that case. Like, but yeah. like fascism broke from that type of reaction by making it a mass political phenomena and therefore very bullet that's too democratic and modern like fascism it just needs to be a mass political phenomena to like work because you have to mobilize people against communism like that's really what it's all about yeah right. well he talks about how um you know like the the great leaders like in the epoch that he's writing have to be seen as like men of the people even if they're like hyper elitist like Mussolini or something like that whereas he basically i think he brings brings up nietzsche and talks about how um there's like a like um in like i guess in cool ancient times like the the rulers were seen as almost being like from another species or something like that right like they were defined precisely by their uh, distance 
whereas like moderns are modern leaders are defined by their sense of presence. But again, like I, I think you know to the extent that that's true, that's really just like an outcome of like the way societies are mediated in like the age of you know mass reproduction and uh, you know mass media. So you mean like want to have a beer with the president, like? Right. Yeah, like he's saying that the fascist leader needs to be like the kind of person that like the common people recognize. Like Whereas kind like, of like Wong right. in like pre in like previous like symbolic orders, it was supposed to be somebody who was completely inaccessible and almost either like another species or or more of like an idea. Or like to even take like you know, like yeah, yeah, like Japan exactly. is an example. Like, like nobody nobody ever saw the emperor. Like the emperor made his first like address over radio to people when they lost the yeah. war. You know, and Evola likes that kind of stuff. He likes this idea of like a higher mystical order that's removed from the material and kind of you know rules like according to transcendent like goals and stuff. But right. it's not a but it's not a popular myth like the, for Sorel. It's an eldritch, esoteric. Yes, exactly. Sorel wants the, he myth. likes the myth that gets the masses in action and gets the masses to act. Or Evola wants the myth. That's like no, the masses like are are too stupid and like really we're the only people who are fit to rule because, you know, we're aristocrats of the soul. Yeah, I mean, and I I it love. It reminds me of like, sorry, what are you gonna say? Oh, I was just gonna say I love like the whole thing about superior breeding, but anyone who has looked at any like the remotely honest like portraiture of like the aristocracy like in the like seventeenth <laughs> or the nineteenth century can tell you like, like this is not like there is nothing like healthy about. Oh yeah. People. That Austrian Hungarian chin. Yeah. Well, one of the justifications for aristocracy is that true aristocracy is aristocracy by the sword, not by the blood. And so, therefore, the aristocracy will be people who like have like fought in war and proven to be like valiant warriors. So, therefore, they'll be like great leaders. But all that means is that they're going to be more brutal when they come to like extract tribute from you. <laughs> the warlords. I mean, honestly, you know, f feudal like feudal nobility is even an advance on fucking warlords. <laughs> I mean, if that was Evola Swoldo. Well, yeah, but was he I like was know. he good with an no. axe? I mean, this is a, actually there's no. a funny story about Evola where like he was in a German town while it was being bombed by the Allies, and he was just walking around while bombs were falling, and like got part of his face blown off, and he just kept. Damn. Walking around. Yeah, that's like an infamous Evola story. I don't know if it's true or not, but fuck. Like, Sounds yeah. maybe mythic. It's mythic, probably to be honest, because he doesn't give a fuck about like reason, but like. I can, you know, it's, it's, that's kind of summarizes like his attitude. It's like, we're in the Kali Yuga and all we need, we just need to like live according to our transcendent principles that what the masses dumbass. aren't ready for. Yeah. Yeah. He is a total dumbass. So we need to I start a co-op. No, no. Edging and <laughs> drugs, just edging and drugs. That's it. That's, that's all right. Cool. Now what? What's good about Evola is that he's edgy and does drugs. You know, that's what I can get down with. <laughs> so he's a, he's you don't understand the sex magic. No, no, no. He I never mean, comes like a degenerate know. would. He he keeps his power right. in. Keeps. He's his like. Power. I guess like I accidentally a, practice it. He's like a hipster degenerate who, like, you know, is like really into like old literature and then does a bunch of drugs, like. But don't there's so many hipster kids like that today? So can't you see like you know a bunch of like modern day like alt right kids getting really into this stuff because they want to like. Be like more intelligent than everyone so it's like yes i read you vola even yeah. if the conclusions of vola don't 
because the alt right, what the alt right is trying to do is they're trying to organize an opposition to, you know, the current order. You know, like they're trying to organize like alt right frats and like you know traditional workers parties trying to organize like Appalachian workers. Yeah. So like there are fascists who are trying to do like kind of this mass politics base building shit. Yeah. You know, but they're but I, what they respect I, about Evola, I think, is just his like attachment to tradition. And I his, think you know I. Th I I think the Italian disease mirror here is to like the neo-Bordigists that are theorizing this, the theory group is the social brain or something like that because they realize that there's been some kind of break in big politics. And I know Evola isn't saying like, oh yeah, big politics, they were good, but now they're decadent. You know, he's not saying anything re related to that, but they're both kind of filling a need. And I guess, a, a, you know, some Italian thought and European circles more generally about what to do when you're kind of like an aging, I don't know, you have a sort of aged eldritch radical heart in one direction or the other, even, even if you're a commie for Bordiga, because like that, um, that situation like passes and, you know, we don't get another chance. Um, so I don't know. There's, I can't help but read this in the mirror. Like I just, I just keep seeing the, the parallels between the Marxist arguments about um, like, well, good. We didn't need mass politics anyway, you know, like fucking I mean, whatever. I mean, well, I mean, the it. difference is like the, the, at least for like the individual, like the Marxist answer is a little more rational where it's like, okay, the revolution failed. Uh, try and make, try not to starve, try to make a living. And I've seen fucking like ultras on left books say that. Like, <laughs> like I've been, I've seen like peace of league say, yeah, like, we pretty much blew our chances for revolution. Probably never going to be able to organize again. So really, like, if you want, you know, just get a good job and, like, start prepping. Like, that's what you but should that's more, do. That's a more, like, rational answer than to, like, be, like, an ubermensch and to fucking, you know what I mean? Like, Well, you could do both. You could, I mean, you know, be an ubermensch and prep or whatever. I don't know. What is, what I don't is an ubermensch anyway? What is an uber? I, I don't even go, what does that even mean? I, I feel I, like people that are into politics are, are often too far gone. Like, you know, we like we're, anyone that looks at a collective project and a lot of this stuff is trying to convince us and just get get don't go to the reading group. Fucking go live life. You know, just stop it. Stop looking for a collective thing. You know, don't be such a loser. You know, build yourself up, damn it. Like, you know, I think that's what this stuff is tending towards instead of trying to draw us toward a collective political project or something. Well, yeah, obviously, because like, well, I guess one group today that would be truly Volaites is Operation Werewolf, which is like a fascist bodybuilding club. And it's basically apparently on um, that group Ultracom, like, you know, the, you know, the group Ultracom. Yeah, yeah. The riot group apparently two of their members actually fell in with them and quit ultracom because they Damn. shared a gym and know each other and yeah that guy jack donovan is associated with them like they were just thing called the wolves of violin and like they see themselves as like a wolf tribe and it's like all men and they're all supposed to be like really strong and like work out a lot and like you know be spiritually disciplined and read evola and do stuff like that so like it you know it's still collective but it's all about like improving yourself so you can like hung in like you know true to your like traditional so like, it's life. basically the white version of mishima's click yeah <laughs> yeah yukio mishima is very similar to this he's another fashy writer I, I can't wait for, like, Operation Werewolf to, like, take over a post office's 
office and then proceed to kill themselves after failing to coup d'etat the United States or something stupid like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that, and... that's kind of similar to what happened. Didn't that, like, Bundy Ranch guy, like, take over, like, some post in Oregon or something like that in the winter a couple years ago? <laughs> yeah, but he's, but he's fine. That's the thing. He's fucking fine. Yeah, exactly. His resistance was totally compatible with American capitalism. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah he's not going to commit seppuku. Uh, is that that what the thing is, like, that would be cool, though. I, I feel like if you were an Ebolaist today, the best thing to do would basically, like, you know... Watch anime. Like, yeah, um, watch anime and do ketamine and just ignore <laughs> the world. Or you could go the more hardcore Ubermensch route and, like, try to become like a super built guy who's super strong and like super mm. like wise in the traditional like you read all this ancient eastern philosophy or whatever and like so you mean move to, to silicon like, valley drink yeah. <laughs> like, like, water there's really aspects of this that like you know people could be could appeal to people in our modern day just because like evola points out a real question with like a real problem which is the utter alienation of modern capitalism you know he so, just I mean, has, you know, a fucked up critique of it and offers the wrong solutions. Okay, l listen, everyone, I have the business opportunity of a lifetime. All we really need to do is, like, imagine putting, you know, Kamat next to this on the shelf at Barnes & Noble, okay? And then imagine us cashing in on that, right? Like, yeah, we could kind of engineer a self-help regime. We could be the next, yes. you know, Oprah. You know what I'm saying? No, we need to write a self-help book. We need to write a commie self-help no, book. I'm not going to lie. A lot of comrades have mental, I, I myself included, like we all have mental health issues and like having like some, you know, commie like self-help honestly wouldn't be the worst thing ever. We can, we yeah, can just, make, we'd have to. We can make like those like inspirational videos you see on YouTube where they'll have like, <laughs> or, they'll have like some like music from Inception underneath it. And like, just like or, stock footage of people working out or something like in the morning. And it's like, things just like, it's hard, it's hard sometimes. Like when the, when the, when just, the poor bourgeoisie has all the power. When you have you're going to be a better it. organizer if you're not depressed all the time. Let's just face it. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you're going to be a better organizer and a better soldier for the world party. Or, so I'm, I you mean, know. I mean, uh, not. I don't know. I don't like the idea of like a communist self-help thing. Like, honestly, I think we should sort of leave like mental health issues to like medical professionals, even if we're somewhat we should be rightfully critical of their. Yeah, but we don't have practice. a universal health care in America, so people can't afford that shit. So they should come. Yeah, to I mean, I, I agree. I agree solutions. with you. I, I would I was, agree. I, was, Rosen, I, I would. I agree, money. but I would say that like we would say this is only supposed to be in supplement. With no, no, no. That's not how you get people's money. All right, well, whatever. You tell them that all, right. all their problems are, are, come from subfluxations in the spine. And all yeah, and we, have, and we have the vitamins and minerals that will give you... We you might as well just, po we always well just push the orgone cult, then. <laughs> orgone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or Dianetics. Side, next on Swamp Side, Dianetical Materialism and Orgone Supplement. Look at, look at how Alex Jones makes all his money. You know what I mean? Like, it's just selling, it's selling like, stupid health shit. But like, this goes nice, back guys. to the same problem we, we have with Sorrel, which is like communism is based on reason. It's based on, you know, rational, like rationally examining society and history. Yeah, using, how, you know, how many communists is that true for? Look at all these Maoists we got. Look at all these trots. I, who that, fucking, that, oh, 100%. That, the red 100 emoji. That, 
You guys, we were just talking about left comms who became fucking werewolf bodybuilding fascists. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, no, I mean, listen, okay, all right. You can point to plenty of stupid people in the left. Like, but, maybe, or maybe every we fucking should just... Jason Unruh versus Robert Brenner or whatever. Yeah, maybe, no, maybe we should. No, I think there's like five Jason Unruhs All right, for whatever, Robert Brenner. And I think they need to take some of our fucking vitamins so that 20. they can fucking get over their depression. That's, you know, because of the stuff that's in the water. I think it may be 101. The, the proletariat passive in the face of encroaching neoliberalism. Actually, you know what? J- Jason, uh, there's like five Jason Unruhs, and then there's like 10 like weird prim primmy guys who are just like fully mystical like jason unruh is like the middle ground between screaming irrationality and just 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 dump just like okay here's what, here's what we need to do we need to get, uh, talk to jason unruh and get in contact with the north korean government and get them to make vitamins and minerals in their factories there and then we'll be the suppliers that sell them yeah. to the, the tankies and third worldists yeah. and we'll say this is like pure communist north korean Un Jewish based, unadulterated, uh, anti capitalist vitamins <laughs> that yes. will help you resist the system. Yeah, yeah. it comes for it comes with a free copy of his Fallout analysis. <laughs> I was gonna say at least Unruh has the decency to cash the fuck in on his like weird internet fame. Yeah, yeah. T- taking his Fallout fan fiction and turning it into. <laughs> I what I want to do is send that. To like Moish Poston or or you know Michael Heinrich or something. Yeah, I mean honestly, we could build like a whole like network, and we could bring in like Michael Robert. We can you know bring I mean, in the CBGB. I mean, people. what about the Oregon boxes? Like it's just a metal box. We can charge like three hundred bucks a pop. You know, uh, just just jerk off in this box, and you'll get superpowers. Your cancer <laughs> will be cured. Does Does this mean we're gonna do Wilhelm Reich next? Oh yeah, we yeah. have to. Yeah, yeah, we have to. All right, because I I can feel I can feel it. You know, the one thing that has always struck me when I hit the Bay Area is the weird similarity between the leftover New Left groups and the leftover kind of you know New Age groups. And I feel like we're getting we're getting deep into the heart of it, and you know, we're uh, we're riding the eye of the tiger. Yeah, you know what? Actually, Evola actually has inspired me. You know. I think like this can be the moment that I become the entrepreneur that I was always meant to be. That's yeah. right. Evola has inspired me to clean my room. <laughs> Amazing feat. Yeah, make <laughs> make right I, the tiger here. I just I made my bed, and then my life. Once I made my bed, I just realized like I could just do this for everything in my life. Yeah, just like your bed. Yeah. And also, I mean, like. Isn't there just like natural hierarchies where p- certain people are just better than others? So yeah, like I see, like I don't feel like I should be putting up for all, with all these freeloaders who aren't making their beds. You know what I mean? Like I make my bed every day, <laughs> and I feel like that entitles me to like a greater portion in society. Yeah, that's a good point, Jake. You know, like the th- the thing that always gets me is how you can combine self help stuff with yeah. Some people are just like natural losers, you know, and like. <laughs> It's just nature, and that's kind of how it should be if you think about it. And yeah. they should just accept it, so their lives will just be better. And then a bunch of losers are like, "Yeah, you know, that thing's got a point. Yeah. That makes me feel better." Yeah, that makes me feel better. I can finally clean my room. Amazing. Thank now you, that Jordan I know my Peterson. place. Thanks. I just Julius like Avola. every, like 
is it just me or every right winger as like a self-help shtick going on? Because it's like true for Mishima. It's true for Mishima. It's true for like Jordan Peterson. It's true for Milo. Milo in his new dangerous book has like a weird Patrick Bateman-esque like chapter where he goes out over his workout routine <laughs> and his Christ. diet. And um, how, how much does that dude even weigh? Honestly. Fuck him. Now, look, I think, I mean, it's a structural issue, actually, because, you know, uh, we basically look at the system as a totality and they, you know, they basically see things in terms of like individual solutions because that's kind of how their whole worldview works. So it's like, um, you know, like, and what's interesting is what I think kind of gives them some level of veracity to people is that, you know, a lot of the stuff that they advise, like, you know, aren't bad, like, personal advice to give somebody. But right. it doesn't solve, like, these endemic structures that are embedded in the system, right? Yeah, like, it's, not a bad idea. it's not a bad idea to, like, make your bed. It's not a bad idea to get some exercise, you know, to work on yourself. That's all fine and well. It's but not it's domesticated. Not... Yeah, it, it's... What? Just, that's domestication. Trying, what? trying no, to make your bed. I'm, I'm completely fine with domestication. It, like, it, I mean, bodybuilding is kind of gross, honestly. So it's gross and unhealthy. Like you, you just look like a pulsating mass of meat, and it's yeah, just I gross. Mean, well, you don't, certain... you don't have to get like fucking like jacked. Yeah, you don't have like, you don't have to do that if you, you do, take you know, a walk. Yeah, there's all kinds I of mean, ways to exercise. I mean, but there's yeah, a the difference Operation between Werewolf like, is all about like jacking yourself to the max. Yeah, you don't have to take PEDs yeah. and shit. Yeah, the only only person who kind of looked good jack was mishima himself he got he was very very nice man very nice man probably <laughs> one of the few fascists i would legitimately sleep with if he were alive today but is, um is that wow. is, is that going on the record let the um, record show rosa would sleep with yugio mishima but he's dead now so it's okay he's dead now He's dead. Now. I mean, Holy. to be honest, Yukio Mishima is like more known for his literary talent than for his politics. Same with uh, Celine. Uh, so, so, should we read Mishima? Is that is that what you're trying to say, Rosa? Like, uh, I I mean, there, guys, 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 guys. There, there's this whole YouTube channel of like real of just like reactionary lit. That's that's like audiobooks of reactionary lit and his awesome. Mishima's weird help self self-help book is on there. I, I can't remember its name, but it's on there. It, it's beautiful. Honestly, that might be a future in the enemy camp episode right there. I feel I feel like I need some self-help from Mishma. I, I need to sculpt my body. It's, but in the end, like, it does point out that Evola is actually, like, in the end, it's basically, he's just, like, sterner. He's just, like, critiquing everything that's fucked up about the world and how it's all going downhill. And like, But he's, like, coming from a perspective, it's all coming downhill because the French Revolution introduced democracy and the masses are being more involved in politics. And, you know, everyone's proper place is being, like, eroded and the... The, the you know the father page the father figure and the patriarch are no longer like you know as powerful as they were before because if you think about it like the complete rule of the patriarch and the feudalist or peasant family is actually mirrored in the in absolute monarchy and it's in like you can kind of see how like the absolute authority of the father 
and people being socialized to accept that authority can socialize people to accept the absolute authority of like you know the aristocracy and the moderate yeah yeah also the marxist explanations for at for like why things are bad or not just like simply misanthropy although like there are a lot of critical theory bras who are bros who are just essentially that just yeah. reject all the actual yeah, scientific just... parts of marx well it, like it, the falling yeah. rate of profit that there's, that's there's no of shortage of misanthropy within the marxist tradition i think you know i mean that's that you know yeah I think I think well, even Gramsci himself said, you know, pessimism of the intellect, optimism of the will, which is wow. honestly like I'm not a huge Gramsci fan, but whatever. I kind That's of a good quote. that. Like, yeah. It's a good quote. It's a good just thing to live it's by. It's a spiffy quote from a Stalinist hatchet man. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much spiffy quote from a problematic guy. Yeah, I, I, I... not everything. I really don't like his early work. That's really like his crafty stuff. I mean, I. But anyway, no more. Let's not talking about Gramsci. Talk about Ebola. I wanted to talk about his critique of the term totalitarianism, and yeah. how he does this thing that I mean we've done on the podcast and other others have done that. You know, uh, he really wants to say that this comparison with leftist totalitarianism and fascism is just you know bullshit, like. There, there are just two different kinds of things. I mean, the left wants a new humanism. They don't understand that negative liberty destroys this kind of uh, virtue. Yeah. Like, which you know, I think that I don't think he's completely wrong. No, like... no, 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 no. That this is that that's a sort of um, that's something that keeps me up at night. Like, is that reconciliation of positive belonging from culture before really compatible? with the kind of libertarian freedom you come to expect in bourgeois society? Is it really like that? that I mean, you know, that's concerning. And I think there's a, there's a strong historical sense in which we, we don't have the forms to answer these questions totally. And like, there's the historical examples we have that are crucially flawed. Those are not here anymore. Like, I'm, but you know, it's, it's a question. Anyway, <laughs> I think, I don't know. I feel like I feel like he's, he's like, you know, uh, you need the like positive freedoms, like the freedom to be a peasant. But it's like, you know, for communists. Yeah, right. Well, for yeah. communists, what we kind of want is actually like the freedom for everybody to be an aristocrat and for everybody to like not have to work. And yeah. you, can go, you, can, yeah. you can go fox hunting or whatever you want or yeah, whatever that... it is, you know, aristocrats do. You can you can do fencing. You can read poetry in your salon. You know, like yeah. every every man, every person, an aristocrat. Yeah, we want yeah. basically everyone to be Oscar Wilde, you know, oh. solve man under socialism <laughs> kind of socialism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's not yeah. about making everyone equally poor, but making everyone equally rich. And that's honestly, like, a lot of, like, right-wing critiques of socialism. Like, they just see it, like, in those terms. Like, oh, by leveling, like, like socialism and communism is actually, like, this crude leveling that will just, you know, pull down. To the status of you know the worst parole or whatever whereas like that's just you know a, an elitist standpoint that doesn't really understand yeah. like it's barrack socialism it's it's the kind yeah, of socialism that marx already critiqued yeah exactly but um yeah evola like i think evola is in italy in 1974 when he when he wrote this and there was a lot of marxism in italy at the time 
And Marxism had been pretty theoretically advanced at that point. There were all kinds of different Marxist groups with different ideas, questioning kind of of the Italian Communist Party. But Evola, you know, like he just like makes really silly generalizations about Marxism. He says Marxism is the belief that economy is destiny. You know, and it's like, well, like that's just a very like vulgar like way to explain like how and under you know works or whatever. Yeah, I mean, but uh, under capitalism, it's kind of true though. But for some reason, you, you can't blame that on Marxism. You know, well, that's what E. P. Thompson says is like as capitalism develops, people become more subsumed to this you know economic force, and it right. So I think there is kind of a truth to that that um. Cap, yeah, you know these economic forces that are like alien to society kind of start taking over like everything and destroying like old forms of production and accelerating the productive forces. He also engages, um, similar to the point uh, Lexi brought up. He also kind of engages in what aboutism, where it's like you know because talking about like the horror people. Oh, the horrors of fascism, but it's like hey, you know, capitalists and communists have done similar shit. You know, it's, you, you can't make an omelet without cracking a few eggs, you know. <laughs> and, you know, I find myself kind of doing that, talking about, like, the Soviet Union and stuff like that. So there's another little bit of horseshoe theory for you. Well, see, I, yeah, I do think that we could afford to not do that. And especially with uh, traditions as cartoonishly, like, democidal as communism and fascism, unfortunately. like I mean, I'm not going to defend they Stalin. Do end up. But you know, I'm, I'll, I will defend the Red Army in the Russian Civil War because uh, is you know. is that really mass? Like, maybe I'm just yeah. ignorant. Is that mass murder? Like, what what's going on there? Like, I know there's some you know pretty the damning Civil stuff War, in the, ar- in the uh, there's I a mean, lot of dam- damning stuff in the archives. I know that. Like, I yeah, I, I know mean, about the, read... the, shoot, the shoot the sex workers memo. Like, I know there's a lot of fucked up stuff. But it is is like, how often do they really participate in what we would call mass murder? Um, it really depends on the region, like, and it really depends on, it depends on a lot of different factors. In a lot of places, like, you actually had, like, multi-party Soviets running things, but in some places, like, you would have, like, bad revenge killings between the Reds and the Whites. The best, the, the real atrocities that happened would be, like, like, for example, like, the Whites would massacre a bunch of Bolshevik um, prisoners of war. So the Bolsheviks would, like, massacre, like, the same amount of white prisoners of war. Mm. Yeah. And so a lot of it was fueled by this, like, kind of revanchism, this dialectic of terror between the two sides. I mean, I don't think, I don't think that's so, comparable to, say, this, say, like, Stalin and basic Stalin right. and the Soviet yeah, Union point. ignoring, like, yeah, Ukrainian fam. It, Famine, that sort of thing, or famines across like the, the Soviet way, Union. The way general. Stalin persecuted people during peacetime and enforced like insane, like austerity measures on people during peacetime through violence is just completely different than the situation the Bolsheviks were in. Also, the weird movement of ethnicities, that sort of thing. It's just not comparable to like civil stuff yeah. that's actually done under under war, that sort of thing. But um. Although I don't think it would qualify as genocide, that's my only reason. Like, yeah, that's yeah, the ge- yeah. Democide is bad that's... enough. Yeah, exactly. And genocide is like that was committed by like 
I don't know. Did Pol Pot actually commit genocide, or was it just mass oh, mass genocide? It, it, no, 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 no. It was genocide. It was. Okay, a, yeah, I believe that because Khmer Rouge yeah. had like a fascist tinge to it as well. Well, the thing was, it was a subaltern genocide. It was you know the formerly oppressed people like wiping out the um. I mean that's you know that's how they understood. Yeah, yeah. You went after Vietnamese minority in Cam- Cambodia and that sort of thing. Yeah, that was a really fucked up like thing that happened and. Under yeah, the so, banner of communism, but so, you know, Maoists. There are still Maoists who will defend it, though. And the same of the Shining Path, like they really did a lot of just horrific things. So the reason why I keep bringing up the Mirror Universe stuff is because it gives me a sense of what things we might want to avoid, right? Like when when I'm when I see a lot of you know left com stuff in here, it's like on the one hand, I want to avoid ending up in this weird horseshoe zone on the other hand i do wonder whether these resemblances are because there's they're both a reaction to something true and that instinct is maybe at odds with this instinct to distance myself from like you know fucking crank weirdos i think i think you have to take it on a case-by-case basis right that's what i'm getting at because you know if you know if evola said the sun is going to rise tomorrow i think i'd have to agree with him but if he yeah. said, you also, know, a left com say that though. All I have to say, just wait but, till you read Carl Schmidt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, you find this throughout the political spectrum. It's not just like the weird fringes. Like all the weird self help bullshit could easily be found in like Deepak Chopra or or like Doctor Weird Doctor Phil bullshit. Like, <laughs> oh my God, Doctor Phil. You have yeah. to disregard modernity to become an Ubermensch. <laughs> it's that complicated. <laughs> Niche and Dr. Phil. <laughs> oh my god. There's already like Dr. Phil rides the tiger. Know, 50 YouTube channels that are basically that. <laughs> what? That's, that's that's Jordan Peterson's shtick. He literally sells a self-help book. Yeah. Like on his Twitter, if you go to it, like the thing that is pinned is is a uh, fucking link on Amazon to his twelve steps. Um, let me look it up now. It's like twelve like, steps, I... some twelve step bullshit. Look, I believe you, but I'm not saying this because it hasn't been done. I'm saying this because it literally has to be Doctor Phil. Yeah, we're like way off topic now. I'm gonna is just Dr. Phil for people who are racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's um, actually not that interesting. Yeah. I I honestly had trouble like continuing to pay attention to this because like when you announce from the very beginning that like your thing isn't rational, like it's hard for me to really stay invested, you know what I mean? I yeah, I, when, I, like, I know what you're what saying. If, some post-structuralist I, I, stuff is they're just like, well, this is supposed to be rational because you know rationality is a bourgeois construct. So I, I don't like, like that shit either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I don't like it for the same reason I don't like some like modern day like leftist theory. To be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you, in my view, the best way to fight this anti-rational butthurt is to rationally scrutinize it. And like I was doing that, but I was getting just I didn't find it particularly hard to read. It's like kind of. I don't know. It goes down kind of smooth in a way. Like, but... yeah, I think so, some of it is I'm just getting older and I'm just kind of like, get to the point. Can we, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Well, he's day. an old man, like in 1974. And that's one thing I do want to bring up is the context because the 70s and, you know, in Italy, 
like you know you had a lot of i guess i already kind of talked about this earlier but you had a lot of radical militant leftist tendencies and in response you had a lot of really militant fascist tendencies who were often like armed violent terrorists and they took evola as inspiration just because um, even though evola said like the way to live is just you know to ride the tiger and you know be an aristocrat of the soul people still kind of people it's like we need to go grenade like the communist party headquarters but, like shit like that i keep thinking of the uh ronnie james dio song he says like uh ride the tiger you know? oh my god we need that as the the intro don't you is think? that is that actually from evola or is that just like a common saying I'm sure it's just a common saying. I say I'm sure, but I'm guessing. That's it for this week. Join us next week when we will sit down to discuss the work of Wilhelm Reich. We'll be pulling an essay from his anthology collection, Sex Paul. Uh, one thing about Wilhelm Reich's work is that he went increasingly insane as he got older and revised his work to reflect his growing insanity. As a result, we'll be pulling the essays from an earlier, more Marxist version of his career in order to have something more substantial to discuss other than his uh, bizarre theories on the Orgone. We haven't decided exactly which essay it will be, but we'll post that soon on the Facebook page, I think. If you need to get a hold of us, you can email us at swampsidechats at gmail.com or message us on Facebook. If you want to support the show, you can like us on Facebook or leave us a positive review on iTunes. So until next time, keep your boots clean, your feet out of the swamp, and your head in the revolutionary clouds of tomorrow. <laughs>